All right, welcome everyone to Pen Pen Pals to another episode talking about Sekiro. I'm Alex, and here's my uh, returning guest slash becoming co-host of this kind of episode, Mimi. <laughs> Hi. Hi again. <laughs> Super happy to have you here. Really excited to dive into your brain for some expertise on this stuff. Um, and today we're going to be talking about Hirata. And just before we got on, you were talking about um, the environment and that you had things to say about the environment before we got into the enemies themselves. Yeah, so not everyone misses this, but a lot of people missed that Sekiro is about, um, it kind of takes place over several different seasons and it has representations of seasons uh, depending Mm -hmm. on the environment. So Hirata is during the summer. First of all, everyone's sweaty as shit. You can see it. Second of all, um, it's the rainy season. And third of all, you see hydrangeas all over the place. And hydrangeas bloom from May through July in Japan. Peak season's about uh, mid-late June. Uh, I It's a great representation of idealistic days being put to the torch, where I'm sure things ah. were quite normal. Um, and, you know, Wolf was enjoying, or as much as he could enjoy, his normal life serving the divine air and... Um, so it's a great representation of your your normal life just kind of crumbling before your eyes and being tarnished. So right, because this is placed in the storyline between uh, what's it called, Ishin's coup mm-hmm. and the game proper. So like Ishin's coup is that supposed to be spring? Do you know what season that denotes? That that red in the opening? Oh, it's fall. I mean, it's fall. Oh, fall. Okay. That's also a great representation of the old dying to make way for the new. Um, right. But the the raid on Hirata was done three years prior to um, the game proper. Three years. Right. And they make note of the it's the year of the Dragon Spring pilgrimage. Yeah, that's a military. It's a military exercise, um, I'm assuming, oh. because it's probably one part festival, one part military exercise. Um, just because all the samurai are away, it's noted that all the sam- all the samurai have left. All the warriors are gone. So they could have been. I'm going to assume they're at Ashina Castle. <laughs> and the Dragon Spring, that's. Like that refers to the river. like the, it's the river, the river it's going itself. up the okay. river. It's, it's essentially saying, oh, we're going up the river. Interesting. And then uh, uh, we had talked uh, a, a few days ago about the timing of this attack. So so we're at Harada Estate. The Harada are a family within Ashina. Right? Yes, they're a cadet branch. So they're considered Genichiro in the beginning. So the last time I saw you was our uncle's funeral. So um, it was Kudo's dad. That was the last time Genichiro saw Kudo was during his, that's considered his uncle. Ah, okay. Uh, so so that Kuro's dad, does he die in this raid? Yes, his mother and father are assumed to be killed in the raid. Oh, so does that make Kuro and uh, Genichiro blood relatives? Yeah, uh, yeah, they're cousins. Oh, that must play into uh, Genichiro being even more upset about how come I didn't get the dragon's heritage? I'm sure. But obviously he couldn't have the dragon's heritage because he was born while uh, the the other lord, the other young lord was still alive. Yes. And also I'm sure he's mad that he doesn't get to share in it because it's like their relatives and it's like, who better than me than your own blood? But it's kind of like, think of like how the Dalai Lama works, um, where it's just this sort of cycle of reincarnation. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's almost it's not actually the same person over and over again, but it's very similar. 
Oh yeah, that's even hinted at because there's strong Buddhist themes in this, mm-hmm. but that's hinted at in like uh, the former's dragon's heritage was uh, Takeru, right? Mm-hmm. And it makes a lot of notes of this belong to Takeru, right? Especially the um, the mode of transport to the divine realm, which is the the incense burner. Yes, right. right. Oh, very cool. Because that's like a thing in uh, the Dalai Lama mythos is like they they find the new Dalai Lama by like presenting children with uh toys the toys, toys. the possessions former of the yeah former, former toys one. and yeah. possessions um and the fact that they say it smells familiar uh just including wolf saying it because he's linked with kudo is is interesting but yeah they, it's interesting because they're it's they're blood related one way mm. or another it's just kind of sad because that's just like a whole branch being wiped off the map Oh yeah, it makes cool Kuro's uh Kuro also already has a very lonely position because he's unique among his countrymen. He has the dragon's heritage. Yes. But now also his parents are gone and his Oh, his parents are gone. I never realized that until this moment that that ties him to Wolf very closely because they're both war orphans. Yes. I mean, technically this isn't war, it's a It is now. <laughs> definitely it definitely kind of felt like that was the inciting incident in terms of um like, oh, yeah, we have to go to war again against the ministry. Something interesting, and this is a lot of a lot of people miss that. And this is when you get the dialogue option with Wolf. Like when you go into where the, ref- uh, the refugees are, where they're hiding out um, behind mm-hmm. that one locked door. They think that Wolf did it. Oh, yeah. They they call him a traitor. They're like, you did this. It was so convenient that you left. And then all of a sudden these dudes showed up. And he got blamed for it. And that's probably one of the reasons why Wolf wasn't allowed to see Kudo. Because they're like, oh, shit, he's a traitor. We don't want this guy serving us. I think they think it's just one dude doing this. But it's like, why would someone who like loyally served Kudo be barred from seeing Kudo? You'd think he would be the one person allowed to see him. Yes, exactly. But he didn't do a good, technically a good job of protecting him, considering like, or the family, considering... So that might be another factor. But yeah, no, a lot of people are like, yeah, Wolf did it. That was him. So to, I guess, put things in Wolf's perspective, we experience this as a memory. And so things aren't exactly as they actually happened in real life. We we view it from uh, a present perspective of Wolf's looking back, right? And and just like when someone goes through therapy and they they think about their past traumas and things, oftentimes... Uh, uh, little facts and details get overlooked or swallowed up because that's not the important thing. Um, but Wolf did experience this event, actually, right? It isn't just some vision that he's having. Yes, and there's a lot. There's plenty of stuff that you go. Did that really happen? Did that really not happen? But at the same time, it was a very traumatic. I'm sure it was a very traumatic event for Wolf, and obviously, some the way some people handle trauma is to not think about it and forget details and uh, things like that, or um, kind of you know memories twist in on themselves. Mm-hmm. So um, there's a later we've talked about this. There's a later part of Hirata that comes up that kind of goes, huh, like. What really happened there? Like, what can we pull from this? Is this the real part? Is this what really happened? You know, um, but I'd say the most realistic one was um, the first memory we go through. Okay, that makes sense. Um, the majority of the map is actually laid out so that you you have the prosthetic when you go through. But I feel like the majority of the map 
you know, you can't do it in terms of game mechanics, but I feel like Wolf would have been able to yes, traverse I love it all that. or most of it. It's I so cool, right? love that. I think that's a great detail where it's easily traversable without, but also like obviously for mobility's sake and gameplay wise, they uh, integrated that into it. But I think it's such a nice touch that it was navigable. Yeah, because right after you see Owl, mm-hmm. there's a part where you jump from these mini shrines, these tiny pagodas but I think there's string. Yes, there's rope. There's uh, Shimana- yeah, Shimanawa. There's little Shimanawa ropes. So it's easy to imagine that before he had the prosthetic, Wolf would have just, you know, uh, hand over hand. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or tight roped across it. How cool. Uh, yeah, these just little storytelling attentions to detail. Uh, this environmental stuff is really, really strong. Okay, so we, we have our... Uh, what do you call it? We have where we are essentially. And oh, do, do we know where this is in relation to the rest of uh, Ashina? Because yes, you it's can't... in a valley. It's in like if you on the map, there's a map mm-hmm. of Ashina. Um, and on that map, it's down the river. So it's kind of located in a valley location. It's not up in the mountains. It's just in a valley. So it's kind of interesting. But it's right along the Dragon Spring River, which the origin point is obviously uh, Fountainhead Palace. Right. But think of it as a traversable downhill slope, but Hirata being in a valley. Right. Okay. So is it like past the Sunken Valley or is it a different direction? It's a different direction. Different direction. Okay. Uh, just one more detail. I wondered if you knew. So the the samurai and anyone participating in the festival, would they have been going upriver towards Ashina up, proper? Yeah, upriver. Ah, okay, okay. Because um, I would think like, well, if everyone's going on this pilgrimage, why wouldn't you just attack Ashina proper? But that's where the samurai were going to. Yes, they're all they're all heading up into like. I would almost like to call it mainland Ashina, but like um, yeah. probably like Ashina Castle. Fascinating. Okay, well, we encounter a lot of different enemies, just like, you know, From Software has great enemy variety in their games. And uh, uh, this this is no exception. Uh, the first person we come across in our, our, our traveling is actually not a enemy at first. It's one of the, what do you call it? The Shinobi. Yeah, the Nightjars. The Nightjar. But he is wounded and dying, and he he gives us a little hint as to where we are in, in space and time. But right after him, we come across the main uh, uh, fighting force that we're going up against, and that's the bandits. Um, so this is not a tribe, a group. It's just a fuck ton of guys, because um, there are a lot. There's a lot of them. Oh, yeah. Right. When you think about it, it's like it's a huge bandit group. I don't know if they all kind of came together. Like if there's separate groups that came together to kind of say like, oh shit, this is a great opportunity. But, you know, like bandit groups, I, I'm not sure how big they grew. It just seems rather large for a bandit group. Yeah. And they are pillaging, obviously. They're they're looting and they're burning the estate. Right. But I got the impression that they're acting as mercenaries, that someone has not just tipped them off, but paid them to enact this attack. I think it was more of a tip off because- in some of the dialogue you get when you sneak around, like, like, damn, I can't believe they left this whole place unguarded um, while all the young samurai are away. Like, this is great. And like, I don't understand what like what's going on, why this is so easy. So it's more of like a tip off rather than, mm. a, 
I'm going to pay you to go go and do this. And judging by who probably orchestrated this, I don't I don't think he paid them. You think okay. that man has money? <laughs> He's a cheapskate. <laughs> Owl does not have money. There's no way. He works off pure ambition. Yeah, seriously. No, I think he's just a master manipulator. So I think he really just was like, hey, guess what? Mm-hmm. He also was the one to send Wolf away because Wolf still, you know, even though he's uh, Kudo is his master, according to the Iron Code, he still has to listen to Owl. So he right. sent Wolf away. And smart of Owl to do that because in our course of the game, Wolf overcomes the Iron Code and he chooses to side with Kuro or even disobey Kuro in certain circumstances. But if Owl had allowed him to stay and he was just protecting Kuro the whole time, it may have accelerated that conflict inside of Wolf. Yeah, absolutely. Very smart. This kind of kept him in the dark. Yeah. Uh, So Harata Estate, the bandits are attacking it uh, because it's profitable and because they have this tip off, it's going to be easy. And we see that environmentally, it is quite profitable. Like we find a a pretty good stock of divine confetti. We find, which has probably been produced for the festival, maybe. We find a, a decent amount of money, but we also find oil, lots of oil, which Yes, some of the um, the bandits may have brought with them to burn the place, but there's a bunch of it just lying around in the estate, which leads me to believe that Harata, like maybe they were supplying the rest of Ashina with oil, which is very, you know, a staple substance. You need it to keep going as yeah, a, just like as a just like salt, you know, like yes. um, so yeah, like oil, salt, just different like essential goods for stuff like that, paper, uh, charcoal. Um, stuff like that is really important. Obviously, if we were a, uh, an artist shinobi, we would have been like, ooh, charcoal. But like mm. in terms of if they produced anything, you're, you you could be right about the oil part. And um, I think from a gameplay perspective, it, it makes sense. And then from a lore perspective, it makes sense. Yeah. And charcoal, one of the main ingredients in uh, gunpowder. So uh, uh, Ashina, they may get their guns from somewhere else, but I assume that they produce their own gunpowder internally. Yeah, that that might be that might be the case. But, I mean, it says in one of Lord descriptions, uh, it sucks for precious metals. So like, it's really hard to come by. Like the soil sucks. Mm. It doesn't have a lot of precious metal in it. Um, so it's not again, it's not the most profitable. <laughs> so like things like oil or charcoal is important to. A blooming empire there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, and also if they're lacking uh, essential metals for creating stuff, mm-hmm. it may be an important source of uh, trade capital. Yes, yes, you're so correct. Oh, and that makes sense for it to be at Harada because that's almost the the land facing part of Ashina. It's it's further towards the rest of uh, uh, mainland Japan. Mm-hmm. So uh, we come across these bandits. We come across several types of them. Uh, there's the sword bandit and the uh, sword and torch bandit and they have very similar move sets to the the ashina soldiers that we have already been fighting um but the torch ones they introduce us to uh i think they're our first example of fire damage i really like how sweaty and gross they look <laughs> oh my god yes like, I think that's another great demonstration of how, how fucking summer it is outside. Because I don't know if any of you have been to Japan, but some of the summers summers in Japan are so humid. Mm-hmm. Um, but these guys are like, they, <laughs> they're just great design in terms of, yeah, these guys are gross. They're disgusting. 
you know, they're just gruff. They're very gruff. They're some of the first enemies that really talk. Mm. They em- they emote. They also let people know, like, they're great lookouts. They'll start shouting and waving their torch around. Mm-hmm. Um, the dudes, the first dudes you encounter with the torch are on the bridge, which is great because they're, you know, they're like little lookouts. Mm-hmm. So they'll start yelling and screeching and saying, like, essentially someone's here and but I, I just—they're so gross. <laughs> they're dirty, sweaty men. So they're, and also another great example of how hot it is outside is some of the sword guys and some of the you know a lot of the sword guys. They're just like they're just in their fundoshi and their their leg armor. <laughs> That's really it. And what is a fundoshi? Fundoshi is like um, it's like a Japanese underwear. It it's Ooh. like a but it's like you know the the. It's like the Japanese equivalent of like an, ath- an athlete's cup. Is that what they call it? Oh, jockstrap. Jockstrap. Cup. Yeah. yeah okay. It's like jo- ancient Japanese jockstrap. Okay. So a little bit more protective than a loincloth. <laughs> it's similar, but it's definitely like it cups the shit apparently. So <laughs> I would yeah, know. Yeah, you don't want that so... dangling during a sword fight. That's <laughs> yeah. easy target. Yeah, exactly. So I just, yeah, I think that's another great demonstration how fucking hot it is outside is these dudes. Yeah, because some of them are in armor. So it's mm-hmm. like, okay, well, some of them are in armor, but some of them are so damn hot that they gotta <laughs> they gotta be almost naked. Yeah. So some of them are in armor. And I think the only one that it the only ones that af- are affected by the armor are the axe guys, because they seem to have actual poise and uh a, a much greater health bar mm-hmm. than uh the sword and uh bow variants. Um, but tell me about that armor, because it looks like they it doesn't look like the rest of their tools like all of their stuff is like it's pelford oh it's yeah. pelford you can actually see that like you know they're wearing hidata armor because it has the emblem on there but um they have a oh. white streak across the front which kind of mm. is a way to know like we're not actually from hidata we're assholes we're bandits um so it tells you know other bandits like we're not actually we're not official we're just you know part of you guys oh, but it's all i see it's all stolen yeah you come around the corner you see uh ashina or harata armor and you like ready yourself to kill the person but then you see that white streak and that tells them over the emblem and it says no 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 no, i'm on your side yes pretty much oh my gosh what a what a beautiful tiny detail mm-hmm. it's almost like a like an offset slash mark where it's just like <laughs> if they put like an x over it that would have been funny like no, mm-hmm. <laughs> they put an X over it and then drew like a different something above it. That would have been good. But this is this is obviously simpler. Um, just like saying like this is our armor now, but obviously it was stolen. Yeah. Um, and I think they give a good juxtaposition to the Ashina soldiers, the Ashigaru that we fight in Ashina proper. They're they're very similar, but we see even the tired. Uh, Ashina, Ashiguru, they have better equipment than these bandits do. Right, and they definitely have like more clothes, but they, they're they more complete. Like there's a lot more to complement that beyond like what these guys could find. You know what I mean? Yeah, and we see both of them have a ranged variant, mm-hmm. but the the Ashina, they have uh, riflemen um, firing these uh, slow match style rifles. But the bandits, all they have is bows. And yes. I think they're the only bows we see in the game. No, no, um, Fountainhead. Oh, right. Okay, okay. So, oh, that gives them a cool juxtaposition too, because th- maybe they even made these bows themselves. 
they they don't seem ornate or anything but the ones that uh kinichiro and the the okami women use those are ornate like well-made i think they're even like compound bows yeah they're huge they're 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 very traditional beautiful bows um that have obviously even though they're old as shit they've obviously been very well taken care of um obviously have proper form not to say that these aren't these are in bad shape they're just very basic yeah the, the it's called a it's called a yumi the yumi but these are shorter bows they're a little shorter um that's mm-hmm. not to say short bows didn't exist um but they're they're a little different and they're definitely they might have been homemade they might not have even stolen those those might just be homemade mm-hmm. which makes sense because you could use an arrow as um like a tool of surprise to ambush people so that makes sense that um a bandit group has 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 good weapons in terms of uh they they might have made it but it's good ambush weapons absolutely so uh i think they juxtapose against the nicer bows or the uh uh the more ornate bows in that the the okami women and genichiro they both just use regular arrows whereas these guys to make sure the damage sticks because they might be firing on armored uh, enemies, you never know, because mm-hmm. um, Harada has armor in it, and short bows have a harder time penetrating that armor. So instead, they're firing flaming arrows to make sure that damage sticks. Yeah. Um, and then I think there's another. We won't come across it today, but there is also a variant of them that fires a poison arrow too. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then we also get uh, something that I don't think we got in Ashina. We get axe troopers for the first time. Yeah, no, we don't. We don't get we we don't get any other axe dudes. Like that is, I think, I'm pretty sure that's Hirata exclusive. And these are heavy bandits. Um, they're wearing armor, which gives them poise. It's hard to knock them out of their what they're doing. It seems to give them a much higher health pool than their compatriots. They're definitely like uh, really. They're so like. I don't know if I'm like going insane. It might just have to be with the fact that they're usually in heavier armor, but they're like. I feel like they're bigger. Mm-hmm. The normal ones. I think that might have to deal with the fact that their armor, they have like a little more, but they just appear bigger. They they definitely feel bigger. And they also, uh, I, I know that uh, it's kind of hit or miss whether the bandits are wearing helmets, but I feel like the axe ones, especially the first axe one you come across, is wearing a helmet, which makes them appear taller than the other ones. Yes, but just that, just that armor that they're wearing, and I'm not sure if all of them wear the armor because it, like you said, they're they're pilfering this armor from the Harada estate. But I feel like all the axe people have armor. They on. do, yeah. No, there. I don't really think there is one dude who has. I mean, don't quote me, but just I think they all, all the axe dudes wear armor, and I think it's interesting how it was the axe dudes discuss discussing how like they didn't want to raid this one temple. Mm-hmm. Cause it was like, a, it was kind of sacred. It was just literally another fucking ax. It was hilarious. It was just like, <laughs> like technically besides the flame vent, you also get an ax, um, which is a, the posture breaker. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not an enemy, but in that same like area where you meet the ax, ax dudes, you meet Aniyama for the first time. <laughs> oh, the, um, the salesman, right? He's kind of the opportunist. Mm-hmm. We don't know if he's with the band group. We just know he's with the unsa- he's not of the most savory sort. So I just, yeah. I just think it's funny how he's there and he's, he's he gives you hints as to where things are. And I think a lot of people thought he was going to be like patches, like the patches of the game. Yeah, but uh, you know he's cool. He's all right. Uh, yeah, he definitely looks like he's with the bandits. And 
presumably he's there for similar reasons as the bandits, mm. but he seems to be off on his own and also has no interest in lighting stuff on fire. He's just taking advantage of the Yeah, case. just opportunistic shit. Yeah. Uh, uh, some might even call him a capitalist. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which... Uh, <laughs> We'll see what uh, From Software thinks of capitalists when the revolution. That's the free. That's the fucking free market, baby. That he. (laughs) Jesus. The end of his storyline reminds me of this famous quote. I think it's Lenin who says, "The capitalists will sell us the rope we hang them with." Yeah, perfect. But but for the most part, he's pretty helpful. We we like him through the course of the game, at least. Uh, and then right next to him, I know we're we're talking about uh, uh, enemies in this series, and uh, but we are talking about the game as a whole, more or less. Near him, you find your first Jizu statue. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sure a lot of other Westerners thought it was funny that it's kind of like a little baby Jesus statue. Yeah, but but can you tell me the significance of the Jizu statue that it's swaddled? Yeah, Jesus statues. So they're they're like little guardian deities of children. Um, and they're made to represent, especially the ones you see in the game, dead children. Ah, okay. Much like the pinwheels that we'll encounter in uh, Sempo. Yes. And they're supposed to ch- protect children in the afterlife. Um, but they're representative of, you know, another Miyazaki trope, dead kids. Mm-hmm. So that could have been someone's grave um, in the back there amongst the bamboo. Yeah. But it's again, it's supposed to represent a dead child, unfortunately. Well, I like that symbolically because one, you use it in the service of saving a child, saving Kuro. Mm-hmm. But also you, you are physically an adult now, but Wolf is the survivor of great tragedy when he was young. You know, he gets picked up off the battlefield when he's what, like 10? And so there is a part of him that has never matured, you know, past that childhood emotional state. And so- uh, maybe that's why he has this this uh, uh, relationship to the Jizu statues and why they will help him. And then, oh, and there's one more uh, type of bandit that we find here, and it's another uh, enemy type that we haven't come across yet, and that is the shield variation. Uh-huh. Uh, they have a sword as well, but they're wearing armor and they have these big old tower shields, mm-hmm. uh, which are almost impossible to deal with just with your sword if you're coming at them from the front. So you either have to figure out how to backstab them or kind of play bull with them, you know, get them to uh, overextend themselves, come around back and hit them a couple of times. Or if you get that ax, you can just use that to uh, smash them to splinters. When I first played, I thought that the flame vent was going to be the thing that uh, negated them because it would catch their shield on fire. Mm-hmm. And so I, I wasted a lot of time and uh, spirit emblems trying to get them to light on fire. I figured because the description mentioned something about split their skulls in half. I'm just like, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. We're, <laughs> this is the next thing I'm going to be using. And the later upgrades, as well as later uses of the axe, are just they're so good. They're satisfying. They're heavy. They have a weight because, you know, it's a heavy weapon technically. So they're they're considered like different attacks. So it's like a big heavy attack, but it's such a cool combo. I really do enjoy using it, especially when you have the ability to make it explode. So Mm -hmm. it's just it's most certainly something I was like, I'm going to use this forever. Something I something I'd like to point out that I think is very funny is I don't. 
I don't think the helmets fit these dudes very well. <laughs> Maybe leading us to believe that the helmets are pilfered too. Yeah, they're like too small for them. If you notice, like they're just kind of, they're almost a little too small. Like if you can compare it to, let's say the, listen, I know the interior ministry has a ton of money or the central ministry probably has a ton of money. Consider mm-hmm. they all have custom armor sets, but mm-hmm. like you can tell it's just kind of sitting on top of their heads. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't fit very well. So it makes them so tall. Yeah. Uh, and the axe uh, that 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 we get and we use to destroy the shield guys. Uh, I again, I love the parallel of usability because the axe people that we fight they have poise, and when you use the loaded axe uh, in that heavy attack animation, you have hyper armor. People can't. Uh, you can still take damage, but it's uh, much harder for an enemy to uh, stun you out of the attack. Absolutely. No, it's it's uh, just such a like power like you you are just the juggernaut for a little while. <laughs> uh so the shields themselves are very ad hoc, almost like they I mean they could have just made them solely for this attack. Uh it's just a a big plank of wood or some planks of wood lashed together with rope. Mm-hmm. Um I'm pretty sure they got these shields like they probably pried it off somewhere on the estate. Just because oh. they look so fucking makeshift, but they look like they were part of something to begin with. Like they don't look like they were originally shields. Mm. So they either could have done that as like, you know, they could have found it right before their raid, or they could have found it like during their raid. But I, you know, it's they probably found it beforehand. But it just kind of looks kind of bootleg. Like that's not that wasn't the original purpose, but they're making it work. Well, I love that because. Uh... You know, all of their designs that they've taken all of these things, the the shields, the armor, the helmets, it really makes you feel like you've come here in the middle of the thing. And also it speaks to this not quite futility, but this almost hopelessness because it's too late for Harata, but you keep going because it may not be too late for Kuro. Okay. All right. Shield guys. We do find dogs, but they're kind of the same. So the next thing that we come across, I think is, well, actually we're going to do these in reverse order. Uh, So we fight like long spear troopers for the first time here. Right. But uh, before we actually fight the the basic enemy spear monks, but first we actually fight uh, the mini boss, uh, which is kind of an interesting, it's, it's not much of one, but it's a little subversion because usually you fight the enemy and then you fight the mini boss version of them and then sometimes the boss version of them and it keeps upping the skill level so that you've trained, but now you have to deal with a, a more competent version of them. So this time it flips it and we actually come across Shinobi Hunter Enshin of Misen. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm saying any of that right. Yeah, Misen, te- Misen Temple. Misen Temple. Before we fight the other spear monks. So here's something interesting that I noticed. Uh, I think almost all of the monks look blind. Like mm. they all have like funky eyes that look like blindness. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would assume that that has to do with some sort of symbolism behind uh, like being blind to the truth. Cause a lot of Senpo monks are kind of deluded as fuck. Mm-hmm. Whereas this, this guy, he actually has half of his, face is covered by bandages and i i don't know when he sustained that but he's got half of it covered mm-hmm. by bandages he's got very typical monk monk attire on there um he's got the the beads and he's got the entire get up 
correctly. Fun fact about monks <laughs> in the Sengoku period. They they were like a lot of them were full-blown warrior monks. There was mm. actually a lot of conflicts um and this was historically accurate. There's a lot of conflicts between warrior monks and warlords, daimyo. Mm. They they used a lot of them were trained with the spear. Um and in fact that was their weapon of choice. But it's actually one of the big reasons that um war erupted in Japan. Originally, it was such a big thing. Um the two the two sects specifically Hozoinryu and Negoroshu, um they're sex warrior monks. It was it was just interesting that they're amongst the bandits cuz it's just like remember how I was like yeah, this was really the the spark of war. That was definitely a like a big reference. Mm-hmm. But um hold on, I'm just I'm reading my notes. It says Mercenaries from Misen are found among the bandits, especially since Lode Shadows 2 drop Gokan sugars, which are exclusively exclusively produced in Misen Temple. Interesting. So Misen is so these monks are not from Sempo. No, no, no. Misen Misen refers to where what temple he's from. It mm, would more than likely okay. be like Misen Ryu. If he's a if he's a warrior monk, it would be Misen Ryu. So it'd be like a like a sword like a sword school, essentially. Weapons mastery. And do, does it uh, uh, frame to you like a rival monastery? Like, would they have any uh, relationship to Senpo? I would think that they'd probably work with them because considering Senpo are such traitorous fuck faces that they <laughs> <laughs> that they'd probably be along the lines of like traitors. You know, at the time they might not have been conflict, but, you know, they could have just been like, Ashina is no longer my friend. Senpo Temple is now my best friend. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's highly up for debate. I don't have like a really solid answer for that. But later on in Ashina Castle, they employ Shin- uh, Shinobi Hunter for obvious reasons. But it's not listed whether he's from Misen or not. Yeah, so he's a Shinobi Hunter. Now, in in mechanics, he he fills this category or this uh, uh, title very well because. We've been learning to block and, you know, deflecting easier said than done. You know, once you've gone through the game, once you go through again, you're like, oh, actually, I can deflect a lot of this stuff because you have to, you know, it's almost like a rhythm game. You have to learn each individual enemy's timing. And uh, he has so many thrust attacks with this spear, Yep. especially your first time through. It's almost impossible to stop his attacks because you're not trained enough to deflect them. And if you try to block, they'll just go straight through your guard. Um, another interesting note, and this was in the item description, Misen monks are well-versed in the art of killing Shinobi, an undertaking, an undertaking that demands a body with an unshakable core. Mm. Interestingly enough, when you work with spears, you have to have a very wide stance because it's, you know, it's spears are an extension of yourself. So, you know, being able to kind of withstand any uh, and be stable with such a long, long weapon requires mm-hmm. good core strength. But hearing that Misen Temple and it's actually, you know, this is the sugar that's made from made at Misen Temple tells you all you need to know about them. And that's you got to you have to have good core strength and good yeah. endurance. That's the yellow sugar, right? The one that yes. uh, uh, you take less posture damage while you it's active, right? Yes, correct. Okay. And that's interesting. I never thought about that before, but you find a lot of Akko's sugar and um, 
you find a lot of the other three sugars at Sempo, but you don't find a lot of the yellow sugars. Yes, because they're they're typically made there. This is just Gokan's the one item that they're like gets from Misen. It's, it's one of the only things you get on Misen Temple. Yeah, how cool. Okay, so in addition to the headdress he's wearing uh, that covers one of his eyes, he's also, unlike the, the other bandits you're fighting, and obviously he's not necessarily part of their group, but he is working alongside them. He's also fully clothed. So he's got to be super uncomfortable in all of that, right? In this heat and this humidity. I mean, if you're a devout Buddhist, you don't give a shit. I'm sure. It doesn't matter. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure he doesn't give a shit. And he probably is like an actual, I mean, he's a real monk. Mm. And if they're devout enough, I don't really think they do care. But yes, he probably is dying in there. I would definitely look up um, a lot of the history of warrior monks, especially um, around the Sengoku period. There were so many battles fought just because it was like some some warrior monk sect holed up in a very strategic location and, you know, couldn't be beat. They were terrifying. They were mm-hmm. really scary, good fighters. They were not you did not fuck with them because it was it just essentially think of a priest who can fuck you up. Like, yeah, you know? it, not just not just physical training, but a lot of meditation yes. and like uh, separating oneself from bodily pain, that kind of thing. Yes. So, yeah, absolutely. Like when you think about it, it'd probably be a pretty kind of a scary enemy. I'd say it'd be scary. Mm-hmm. All right. So he's dressed in much nicer clothes than the, uh, the rest of the bandits. Did the clothes say anything about him specifically or they just kind of denote him as a monk? He's got Ofuda on his belt. Okay, what is that? I just realized that. Ofuda are just like little, typically like good paper, good, uh, well, they're not always good luck charms. They're little paper blessings or curses, Mm -hmm. depending on what it is. I'm assuming they're blessings um, because he's got them tied around his his waist, but he could use them to kind of mark something off or just like throw at someone and be like, this is cursed, this is blessed, this is cursed, this is blessed. Um, Mm. But I'm assuming it's more of a like... (laughs) considering he's a warrior monk it's a very uh good luck charm please don't let me die i can't mm-hmm. see the text on it because it's kind mm-hmm. of obscured but you can tell they're all fuda mm, okay now do those have any relationship to the the spirit emblems we utilize in the game sort of you see a lot of ofuda actually pasted on the dilapidated temple you see a shit ton of them on that Oh, and that okay. I'm pretty sure I've been told it means to kind of negate uh, want to essentially be like, okay, you know, who's ever in there or whatever is in there needs to like calm the fuck down and not long for too much, mm-hmm. whether that's bloodshed. Oh, it's probably bloodshed. But you also see an Ofuda on the big rope man, the Shimanawa mm-hmm. man. Um, and that one is actually an animation one. You'll actually see that Ofuda in a lot of popular culture. Oh. It's a sort of divine, it can be a divining tool, but it's similar. It's more, I'd say they're in the same family, but they're not the exact same. But um, you see a lot of that stuff throughout the whole game. Right. So the spirit emblems are more of a remembrance, um, even though we use them in a magical or spiritual sense. And so these Ophira, if I'm understanding it correctly, they're more like charms or curses. Like you said, they're more of like a physical manifestation of a spell. Yeah, it's like a talisman, you know. So so Ofuda are just kind of like you can it can be a blessing or it can be a curse or it could be a ward. A lot of them are wards. So like 
what he could have could either be a blessing or a ward against damage or a ward against, you know, missing his, you know, missing with his spear. Um, Mm -hmm. It just depends. And you said they're outside of the temple. So that that's a really common aesthetic choice I've seen in Japanese media is temples with those slips of paper. So those are always Ofura? Ofura, yeah. No, the the ones specifically on the outside. If you you I think there's a bunch of locations that have Ofura plastered against something. It's usually like a ward, keeping something in rather than keeps keeping something out. Interesting. But you said like to ward off thoughts of bloodshed or something like that is it more like externalizing one's own desires to to better manage them yeah it's to to kind of negate desire rather than to invite it it's more of a barrier it's a ward against we don't want this dude because he's already essentially been under threat of becoming shura once Mm -hmm. so we don't want that to happen again but the pay, you know, the paper dolls, the little spirit emblems, they're they're like a form of Ofuda. Interesting. Okay. But more specifically, they're for someone who has died. Yeah. Okay. Is there's something about it being like regrets? Like the the mm. the, the like left behind its manifestation of regrets? Uh yeah, because they're they're from the they say they're from the sculptor, right? They're all the people he has killed, potentially. I don't know that one. I would say they're left behind regrets. They never they don't technically have to be. I mean, I think they do have to be dead. Yeah, yeah, they're 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 regrets of the dead. Okay, that's why you can't. That's why you can't buy them. Oh, right, you can't buy them from anyone. Uh, merchants. Yeah, you can, you buy- can only buy them from the the te- the the sculptor's items. Yes, yes. And then you also, when you find them in the world, it's always in places where there's either a literal dead body or. It's a place where people would have died a bunch. Like you find them in a cave leading to the uh, the giant serpent. There's one. There's one that I remember at all times, and that's when you're coming straight out of the Vermilion Bridge and heading down into Fountainhead. Like surrounding this cherry tree, this weeping cherry tree is, I think, about three of them. Oh. And I have no idea if that's meant to be spirits of actual dead people. Mm-hmm. That's meant to be the regrets of like, you know, because animism is such a big thing. Um, The regrets of like dead plants or dead anything. But that that one I always remember is there. But it could be someone someone died there, of course. So, you know, it's just it's it's in the same family, but it's not. I don't really think it's exactly an Ofuda. It's it's more of a a paper doll. It's like a Nino. Interesting. Okay, so before we uh, last bit about the shinobi hunter before we move on he has a spear and this is a far more ornate and nice spear than like the ashigaru uh uh that we found in the ashina outskirts the couple of spear wielders we find there so is there anything distinctive about this spear that you can tell me i mean it's definitely a really nice one um it's mm-hmm. still considered a jumanjiari which just means cross-shaped spear it's just a more ornate spear it's kind of like a kyobu's Mm-hmm. But um the the really cool part about it is it was supposed to like the two cr- the, the cross part when it's mm-hmm. facing up it's supposed to look like uh, buffalo horns. Ah, how very cool. And so and the cross itself is that used to try to disarm people at range? Yes, and it can be used for for penning. Um it's could be used for it's definitely like a great deflector cuz you know straight spears might not be the best to deflect with, but it's a great deflecting mm-hmm. tool. Um, because you know, if someone swipes their sword at you, you can catch it with one of the cross shape, the the right. crosses. 
Whereas if you did that with a regular spear, it would just be harder, you know, but come it would up the half. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be harder, but it's not impossible. And then uh, just beyond him is actually where we uh, find a bunch of bowmen. Yes. Um, okay. And then just up from them, almost like they're protecting him, uh, we find a seemingly wounded owl. Allegedly. Evidently. Allegedly. <laughs> quote, quote unquote wounded owl. I don't know if you've seen uh, Matt Shesman's parody of uh, a Sekiro titled Sekirot. No, I have not. Oh, I'll, I'll send it to you. It's it's definitely worth watching. Um, a high quality independent animator. Uh, in, in his animation, you get up to Owl and Wolf is immediately like, is this a bottle of ketchup I see before me? <laughs> oh my God, I'm dying. I swear. <laughs> I can't remember in my first playthrough if I was like, this is kind of suspicious or not. Mm-hmm. I think I was healthy, healthily suspicious. But like at the same time, he's like fucking old as shit. And mm-hmm. I wasn't familiar with the ass kicking old men in this in this country. So it's hard to say because maybe he had like a visible wound or, you know, it really was the bottle of ketchup. But he was just like, I can't go on, take this key. And it's very interesting why he gives you the key and why Kudo is underneath, essentially, like, because the the first half of Hirata is a little on fire. It's not really, really on fire, but it's, you know, it's definitely being destroyed and looted. But then the second part, which is the nobles' quarters, is really on fire. Like, that shit is burning down to the ground. So it's like, okay, well, why the fuck did you not get him out of there? Anyways, allegedly your father is dying. <laughs> yeah, so he gives you this key ostensibly so you can go rescue Kuro, but really he wants you to finish off Lady Butterfly, right? Yeah, and also she must be locked in there cuz 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 that mean if he has the key and Kudo mm. and Lady Butterfly are in there. That means he locked them in there. <laughs> so she's stuck in a fucking yes. burning basement. Yes. <laughs> Later on, I mean, we can talk about this when we talk about Lady Butterfly, but she mm-hmm. she just has like, there's a lot of shit going on between them. Um, but she's, <laughs> she definitely is down there. Um, but mm-hmm. he, Owl doesn't really care who comes out victorious from that one because he's winning in the end. Right. But anyways, your father is, <laughs> he's dying. dying. I, I swear. Uh. Take this key. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm nine feet tall. Don't uh, worry no, about that. No, it's fine. I got a lot of blood and I lost most of it. <laughs> okay, so let's, I'm really, I love Lady Butterfly and we get to spend so little time with her. So let's let's get to her. Uh, so we do find uh, along our path, two more spear monks, which must be from the same temple as Enshin. Yes, I, I think so. Considering they're shinobi hunters. Now, remember how I was like, I don't think they got paid. Mm-hmm. I think like the the bandits at least. Mm-hmm. I think the monks got paid though. Right, because when you first when you, there's a pair of them, um, when you kill them for the first time, you get a bulging uh, money sack, yes. which is like a thousand sen. I think the, the bandits didn't get paid. But I think the shinobi's hunters obviously got paid because like why the fuck are there shinobi hunters there mm. if not to stop either wolf or lady butterfly from leaving or entering. Oh, yeah. It's just very strange that amongst a bandit group, there's like 
literally warrior monks, more than one, and their specific uh, specific profession and specialty is hunting hunting down shinobi and killing them. Yeah, the two you find they have different colored robes, but I think they have an identical move set. They do. One of them might just be of like higher rank. Ah, okay. But you know they're they're very they're very similar. Yeah, so maybe we see three ranks of them because there's Enshin and then there's the white one and I think one in a blue robe. Yes, Enshin's in a blue robe. Oh, okay, that makes sense. That maybe the the white robed one is the overseer. He's also a shinobi hunter, but he's the one who's going to give the orders or or command the two. Of yes, them. correct. We have um we have a a friend out in the courtyard who, when I play, like I love the purification ending. I love. All mm-hmm. the lore surrounding it. I love the boss fights. Mm-hmm. Um, very much. I cannot fucking stand how I have to fight Juzo fucking twice. I just Juzo find it tedious. Is... It's tedious to me. <laughs> <laughs> I understand, but also why the fuck? <laughs> uh yeah, so let's get to him. So you defeat these spear monks, you uh and we are gonna go over one more enemy before we get to Lady Butterfly, mm-hmm. but Right outside of the Harata, the mansion, I guess, the place where Kuro actually lives with his family proper, there is this fucking giant who's not a tarot trooper. No. Um, but he is fucking huge and uses maybe the biggest sword. Maybe the guardian ape has a bigger sword. Yes. But like this is one of the biggest swords in the game. Like a what do you call it? A nodachi or a daikatana? It would be a nodachi because it's just fucking huge. You can always just look and say nodachi if it's just fucking huge. Yeah, huge sword. A huge no sword. <laughs> you know, nodachi might as well just translate to huge sword because holy moly, <laughs> you know, he's not just big because like he not just because of the ocean waters, but he's a sumo wrestler. Mm. He he actually has a description in the prayer bees, which is, it says an unrivaled sumo wrestler once served a great feudal lord. Dismissed after giving to drink, he fell to a life of brigandry, and so he was dubbed Juzo the Drunkard. So, me and more than one person has this theory. Mm-hmm. We think that he used to serve Oda Nobunaga, um, because oh. he loved sumo wrestling. <laughs> And just kind of this impactful, oh, he used to serve a great feudal lord. Rather than um, naming them, they're just like, yeah, also, <laughs> you know, it could have been Nobunaga. Yeah. And Nobunaga, is that, is he a shogun? No, he was a feudal lord. He's a daimyo. A daimyo. Okay. He was probably one of the more famous daimyos of that period and um, kind of got the ball rolling on uh, stabilizing Japan. But that that's a whole big thing. Interesting. And does Nobunaga play any other significance in our story here? Yeah. I mean, like, he's not, I just, it's not really mentioned too much. Fun fact, there was absolutely a real Ashina in the Sengoku period. So Sengoku, let's let's put it this way. Sengoku period was just a bunch of warring clans, because it Mm -hmm. literally mean the warring states period. And uh, the Ashina were an actual clan that were kind of in the northeast of Japan. Mm-hmm. And they were actually bordered by one of Oda Nobunaga's vassals, the Date clan. So Date Masamune is a very famous name. And I don't really think he's mentioned in the game, but it's just like, yeah, there's whiffs of what was actually happening outside of Ashina at this time. But keep in mind that this is this is supposed to be Miyazaki's like fantasy Japan. Like it's not real. Mm-hmm. It's got it's it's got some like real elements, but it's not like, oh, it was real, real. 
Yeah, historical fiction, but a fantasy historical yes, fiction as well. Yeah, it's hard to explain, but it, it's definitely a theory. And it just the fact that it's not mentioned, it's it's not like a huge lore tidbit, but it definitely points to the fact that he used to be someone great. And then he had like a problem with alcoholism. Mm-hmm. He also he definitely looks drunk as fuck. He does not look <laughs> yeah, good. He drinks during the fight. Yeah, he does. <laughs> um, And it must be some very hard alcohol because when he spits it at you, it poisons you. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, it's definitely an effect. But if you think about it, like if someone spit alcohol at you and it was that volatile, also his breath might just be fucking rancid, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) combined with the alcohol. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I like that his elevated blood alcohol content makes him easier to set on fire than most other enemies. Yep. Easily flammable because of the thing. Also... You know, he's a big dude. He has lots of poise, big old health meter compared to a lot of other, like compared to Enshin, uh, uh, he can take a lot more hits than that guy. But it's not just that he's big. It's also that he's drunk and numb to the pain, right? Yeah, well, because you can keep hitting him and he like, he's just like, yeah, whatever. (laughs) Yeah, uh, so he must be a foreigner to Ashina if he was serving under... uh, uh, Oda, Oda Nobunaga. And he, but he has truly found a place with brigands because unlike Enshin, he's barely clothed, right? Like he has clothing, but it's all wrapped around his waist and he is almost nude, you know, in a very sumo wrestler style yes, yes. Uh, garb. He's traveling light. I mean, like to be fair, like he's got a huge sword, mm-hmm. but he's a big dude. And like a lot of people I'm sure look at that and go, yeah, he's just a big fat guy, but I'm sure he's basically like the human equivalent of like a power li- like you know the ancient ancient japan or medieval japan equivalent of a power lifter mm-hmm. i think it's so weird that you know for a bandit group they're doing pretty good they're packing they got a tarot trooper and a fucking giant former sumo wrestler yeah uh they've got monks fighting alongside them obviously yeah. not with them uh you know what I love about his moveset is the uh, he has a just like open palm strike where he gets into that sumo stance yes. and just kind of like pushes your forehead away real hard. Yeah, one of the very few things I actually know very little about with uh, Japan is the history of sumo. I don't know Oh yeah, too much about it, but you're correct on the stance. That's one, it's just one thing I'm not very familiar with. Yeah, and it's interesting that, you know, we don't know if it's uh, intentional or not, but there is this uh, parallel theming where uh, Juzo is a sumo wrestler, so he has this uh, focus on the wide stance and the stability, and the spear wielders have that too. It's it's a, a different school of training, but again, it's this like wide, strong base stance to keep your center uh, as stable as possible. Yeah. And he I mean, he really swings that thing like he <laughs> sometimes he does like big old golf swings. Where yeah. You really feel no, he, the momentum he of it. and he does it more than once. Like he'll fake, you know, because like he'll start out with like one swing. And then once you start really rolling with him, he'll do two mm-hmm. or three of them. And they're mm-hmm. they're very deceptive because they hit super hard. And in a lot of new game plus he can just take you out in one hit. That's my only complaint with New Game Plus in this game. I love this game and I would normally just do New Game Plus and like you, just keep one save file. But in New Game Plus, so much stuff just one shots you, even if you have max HP. So like, I usually just start a new game because I'm sick of getting one-shotted. Right. I mean, once you learn like damage output, it becomes kind of like Mm. easier to work because I don't play with a HUD. 
I just, mm-hmm. you know, cinematically. Yeah, you're a fucking badass. <laughs> it's cinematic and it really makes the fight. But like, you know, once you learn the damage output, it's kind of like, okay, like this dude, to be fair, you could definitely say like, this dude in one or two hits is going to fuck you up in real life. So like, mm-hmm. treat it the same in the game. Uh, okay. Well, he is a fascinating enemy. Um, and we're going to see him reused in the game later. Uh, uh, not him specifically. Well, actually him specifically once, but, um, we're going to get other bosses that have his identical moveset. Yes. And now before we get to one of my favorite bosses, uh, Lady Butterfly, uh, we have one more enemy that we can encounter here. And this is like a really important but optional storyline enemy. Yeah, technically, when you think about technically. it. Technically. Technically. So uh, you just talked about these bandits are kind of stacked. They've got this uh, legendary sumo wrestler fighting alongside them. They've got these monks. They've got a tarot trooper. And uh, they also have not fighting alongside them directly, but possibly overseeing the operation. If we take, what's the salesman's name again? The capital? Aniyama. Aniyama. If we take his advice... And we go looking for this three-story pagoda. We can pilfer a, or we can poach a uh, another shinobi prosthetic. Some people's favorite, uh, the mist raven, mist raven feathers. Um, which what I haven't used those much. What do they actually do? When you take damage, if you take this specific hit, you basically disappear, go behind them, and can just like beat the shit out of them. Oh, so you teleport? Okay. Yes. Owl Owl uses it. He has the ability to use that move in um the reflection boss fights in our owl. Mm-hmm. It I do I hate it? No, I just never got the hang of it. I don't think it's awful. And I think some of the boss fights that people are able to produce and record are just like works of art. Um but right. I, I never got the hang of it. But I, I think they're they're it's a spectacular tool that I just never learned how to use properly. Yeah, me neither. Um all I know is that there's a trick if you use contact medicine on yourself. Yes, you can do it forever, essentially. You can just teleport. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Um, okay, but uh where we find the the Mist Raven feathers, we are attacked from above by our first interior ministry agent. Yeah, Lone Shadows. The Lone Shadow. Uh, love their design. I love the purple, denoting like purple, a very rare dye at this point in history. So I, I don't know if it's equivalent to uh, European cultures of it the is. time. That would have it been is. Like it's modeled. Colors. The whole thing is modeled after Europeans. Oh, cool. Um, which kind of shows that they're working with the central government. Um, because they're it's inspired by um, European fashion at the time, men's fashion at the time. Oh, so I guess I never thought about this, but like the the power dichotomy here is there's Ashina, which is a border state within Japan proper, and the Interior Ministry wants to take them over. But the Interior Ministry also represents, in some ways, a Western influence on Japan itself. Like they they are using these, the the, the, uh, the purple is modeled after the European standard of the time. That's fascinating. They're actually, so they're cool. They're inspired by actual, essentially the first really well-recorded shinobi in, mm-hmm. um, in Japan, which was the Iga, the Iga clan. It was like basically the first big guerrilla warfare um, account in Japan. Oh, I think it's the Iga and the Koga uh, clans, but in one of the prayer descri- the prayer bead descriptions, because like obviously, well, they're all brothers apparently. Mm-hmm. Uh, so 
but they all live under their father who actually, God, I can't even remember his damn name, but I just know for a fact uh, that it was a, I think it was a code name for Hattori Hanzo. Mm-hmm. So Hattori Hanzo is their father, um, which is another really famous name. But again, that's really just tying back to real world shit. But Lone Shadows are cool because they use a very, very unique weapon called a ninjato. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're not like katanas where katanas have curved blades. These are straight blades. It's not necessarily know whether this is like true or false, but in most mythos surrounding ninja, shinobi, what have you, like ninjato were historic, like just apparently what they used um, because they were easier to conceal. Oh, that makes sense. It's a shorter blade and the straightness of it. No, I mean, it's it's not shorter. It's just straighter. They're still, they're still. Uh, Oh yeah, you're right. They are pretty long. They're still huge. I mean, they're called long swordsmen, so. (laughs) But that's interesting, like a short, not necessarily actually tying them to Europe, but a straight blade is more of a European uh, style of sword. Yes. Yeah. And so, and this is a very different enemy than what we have come across. We got a little bit of this with Enshin because he has a lot of moves that can cover distance and put a lot of pressure on you. Uh, he has thrusting attacks. But the these interior ministry guys, the Lone Shadows, they're like so agile. They're so cool. Yeah, absolutely. They're like picture picture perfect ninja. That's kind of the best way to put it. They're ideal. They got all the gear for it. They're built for it. Um, they're really cool. Uh, yeah, their their outfit is ornate. It's it's got a lot of attention to detail, uh, like yours. Um, it's more standardized because obviously you fight more of them, uh, and you have a a unique character model. But they have uh, little pouches. They have uh, what looks like almost uh, throwing knives. Yeah, and they, stuff, have, they have all... kunai on their. Um, they have little kunai attached to their legs. Oh, that's so cool! And I, I don't think they actually get to throw them. I don't think they have that in their move set. But, but in terms of storytelling and their design, it's so cool. So this this guy, you 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 fight him on top of the. It's out of the way. You have to find a special path to get to it but you fight him next to the uh, three-story pagoda and he has kind of a bird's eye view of the operation. Yes. So like, is this guy here to oversee the the attack on Harata? Yeah, he's definitely, and he's also definitely a collaborator. I mean, he's collaborating with Owl, that's for sure, because mm-hmm. um, Owl is part of that crew. But in terms of overseer, sure, because he he's, you know, he's very skilled. He could probably, if something goes wrong, he could most certainly sneak in there and, get business done and then sneak out. Yeah, and he definitely represents a step up in the uh, dueling difficulty of the game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, if you're not ready for this dude, he's going to beat the shit out of you, (laughs) unfortunately, because he introduces, he's more aggressive, um, whereas a lot of Mm -hmm. these bandits are just kind of flailing around, uh, whereas this dude obviously has some very extensive training. and But he's definitely in the most basic of long swordsmen because... You meet other variants later in the game that have a little more quirks to them, but he's definitely the simplest version you can face um, in terms of movesets. Mm-hmm. He's mostly sword attacks and kicks, yes. right? He has like a few, he has a kick that's identical to the high monk uh, maneuver um, where he does this big overhead uh, leaping attack. Mm-hmm. And then he also has a combo of kicks that ends in a, a thrust. Yeah. And I was wondering if 
is it just stylized as a thrust or does he actually have a blade in his shoe? No, no, no. I don't think he has a blade in his shoe. I think it's more of a it's just more like a stylized thrust. But to be fair, okay. like if you miss that thrust, he's going to he's going to cave your sternum. In. Oh, my God. That shit kills me every time I miss it, Um, which is, kind. Of, you know, it, it is a difficult, sometimes can feel unforgiving game, but you've just fought Enshin in order to get up here. And so you probably have looked around and figured out that the Makiri counter is one, really easy to get at this point in the game, and two, super useful against these thrust attacks. Right. They actually have, I just realized this, they have a little pouches attached across their chest, and and that could be two things. That could either be poison powders, because they... They tend to deal with poison or that mm-hmm. could be their rations because there's this mm. really cool little pellets that are traditionally used by Shinobi mm-hmm. um, that were like little rations. I thought that was cool. They also have a chain around around back um, and that could most certainly be used for, as a weapon. They just they're very stacked. That's the best way to put put it is they're very like prepared. They're mm-hmm. very put together. So I think they're just a great example of an enemy that if you face it without being ready, you're just going to get your ass kicked. 100%. But I think they're cool. I think they're great enemies. I love them. Yeah. And contrasting the bandits, which you're fighting below, all of their stuff looks custom made, form fitted to them. Yes. No, it's more like a, I mean, even in comparison to Wolf, who just like definitely doesn't have the most ornate getup beyond his very iconic orange uh, kimono. Mm-hmm. uh it's very iconic. You know, it's it denotes who they are and it just kind of it's a great identifier, but they're great dark colors. So, you know, it's great for them to walk around in and not be spotted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're awesome. And they even sport those armored sleeves that we've seen on some of the Ashina yes, troops. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, they're very they're stacked. They're they're very prepared for any sort of situation they get themselves into. OK, so. All right. Now let's move on to. The the piece de resistance of Hirata, um, the fight we've been leading up to, and you know they don't have the same attacks, but the Interior Ministry uh, ninjas, I I think that they, or if you go out of your way to fight this guy, I think he gives you a little bit of an idea of what it's gonna be like to fight the boss of this area, mm-hmm. and of course I'm talking about fucking Phantom Lady Butterfly. It's been a long time, son of owl. I love her. She's such a queen. Queen shit. Gaslight gatekeep girl boss. Am I right, ladies? Oh, my God. <laughs> She's great. Um, What do you call it? She's not exactly doting, but she is almost the closest thing to a mother uh, that Wolf has ever experienced. Yeah, it's definitely close. Very similar to like a mother figure, but it's not mm-hmm. actually. Um, I'd say definite mentor. Um, he, mm-hmm. I, I've talked about how Wolf has very subtle ways that he mimics and not so subtle ways that he mimics Lady Butterfly. Well, the way she talks to him definitely mimics, like, I still see you as like a baby. A wolf? Hardly. You were still just a puppy. You're still a baby. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, like, she probably has like, like 50, 60 years on him. Um, God, she's so fucking cool. <laughs> yeah. She's got, she's got a very, I think when I first fought her, we all compared her to like, the Lady Maria of Sekiro. Um, she's very similar in terms of like intimidation factor, 
Like right mm-hmm. now, if I were to fight Lady Maria, I don't think she'd be too hard. And the same would go for Lady Butterfly. But mm-hmm. it's one of those things where if you step out of line or if you lose your rhythm, you're getting rocked. Yes. I like her model, how she has such long legs. And she, I mean, obviously she uses them. Oh my God. So cool. And just like the uh, uh, the Lone Shadow, um, she does a lot of kicking things. Mm-hmm. Unlike the Lone Shadow, I love, like I think you were just about to say, sorry to cut you off, mm-hmm. but I love that she blocks your attacks with her shin guard. Yep. Like you can so really cool. see the skill that she has. Um, and she's very adept in what she does. Um, she's very graceful and she she shows it. I really think that her de- her design specifically as a fight um, in the whole place is great. You get a lot of open space to kind of pre- this is where you really learn about like def- uh, evading. I think it's evasion and like kind of mm-hmm. stepping over to the side if you really have to. But she she's cool. I think she's she's a great fight. Um, and I think for one of the first fights you have, she's just hard enough that gives you a challenge but not weak enough that like even on repeat playthroughs is too hard, is too easy. Uh, and give us a great juxtaposition. Normally this is people's first or second boss. Yes. And so it gives us a great juxtaposition against Gyobu because Gyobu was big, imposing, huge spear, you know, uh, a hybrid beast enemy because of the, uh, the horse. But uh, Lady Butterfly is very much a duel. And the the uh, the arena you fight in is completely opposite ends of the spectrum. Um, Instead of this wide open battlefield with death all around you, instead, it's this claustrophobic place. And like, I think everyone, at least I did when I was learning the fight, there was a lot of time where I spent running away from her to try to get my bearings back and just running into a wall or running into a beam and like. It's not actually that small of an arena, but it feels so much smaller after fighting Gyobu. Yeah, no, and she she's more of an up-close-and-personal battle. Like, you know, it's kind of like in Dark Souls, how you have the beast battles or the bigger, you know, the bigger dragon battles or what have you. Mm-hmm. And this is more of an up-close, and this is why I really like Sekido. You're up against someone who might be better than you skill-wise wh- that mm-hmm. you have to learn about. It's not necessarily the most equal playing field when you first fight her, but um, you learn and mm-hmm. she becomes your teacher in that sense again. Because she was she was Wolf's teacher. Which is awesome, right? Because she was Wolf's teacher diegetically, but she's our teacher playing the game because she marks a skill point. Like once you can get past her, that means that you've kind of learned the basics. Um, butterflies are cool because they're just always, especially in Eastern mythologies, are associated with like dreams and uh, illusions. Um, there's a really, really famous, and I was actually just reading about this in, in a book. It's called The Butterfly Dream by Zhuangzi, or sorry, Zhuangzi. Um, it's our recommended reading for the episode. I guess. I mean, it's, it's not too long. I think it's a poem. I'm pretty sure it's a poem. But I just read mm-hmm. about a hearsay where it's, I think it's actually pretty embedded in culture, like throughout the world, where it's a man falls asleep and has a dream that he's a butterfly. And then he wakes up from the dream. So he thinks to himself, am I a butterfly dreaming about being a man, a man dreaming about being a butterfly? Mm-hmm. But I, was, I was reading about that recently in a, in a book I was reading about 17th century China. So How cool. So her design, I love her design. She has this, again, like form fitted. She's a shinobi, right? Yes. So she has she has access to custom fitted things, nice things. 
And she also mirrors Owl's design. They mm-hmm. both have the very long gray braided hair. Yes. Uh, but she's obviously more put together, less of a wild man. I mean, like they're associated together because the Usui clan, which is what Owl's associated with, um, is mm-hmm. closely associated with Butterfly. Um, and they trained in the woods, the the woods that Owl is from when they were younger. Mm. And she could have just adopted that as her her thing where, you know, just long hair. Because to be fair, long hair in Comet is not good. Um, it is not <laughs> advantageous. It it's gets a liability. In, yeah, it's a lot. It gets in the way. Like um, that dangling sack we talked about. Earlier. Yeah. <laughs> Also, uh, another cool part about her design is like Owl, he has like like a collar that's made of owl feathers, mm-hmm. um, whereas she has um, a manto that kind of looks like the wings of a butterfly mm. and is decorated with butterflies. So, you know, cool reflection of each other because they are obviously associates at one point. They were either working together and butterfly betrayed Owl. They weren't. Butterfly learned of this and betrayed Owl as well. Either way, Owl absolutely got betrayed. Or even worse is that she's overseeing Kudo and his capture and Owl thinks of it as like, well, let them duke it out. Whoever comes out the victor, like, you know, I'll just kill Wolf or Butterfly can, you know, either, you know, or I can kill Butterfly or what have Mm -hmm. you. So, you know, either way, Owl wins. Yeah, one of them will be tired at the end of the yes, fight. Yes, exactly. Um, which is, you know, speaks to Owl's underhanded shady tactics that he uses uh, even bag. in fights with He's us. He's so terrible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, uh, she trained Wolf. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see that later on. We can actually see that in, uh, it's very difficult to get it here, but we can actually see that here, if we are able to kill the lone shadow in a specific way, if we do the jumping attack, yes. like uh, the double jump onto them, and that gets us the posture break for the death blow, uh, we'll actually get the same uh, uh, death blow that she uses on us when she does the the oh, overhead I love it. leap. Oh my god, I'm I'm just I'm not even a little gay. I'm just gay. <laughs> you know, like I think this really this game really really made me go maybe i am just like a weak lesbian mm-hmm. actually something i forgot to mention about the lone shadows and this is a very small note wolf okay. does very unique death blows on them mm-hmm. where you know if you if wolf kills the ashina soldiers the bandits or what have you he just like stabs them through the chest and rips it out you know just mm-hmm. normal shit um i think he sees them as rivals i mean obviously they are but he sees them as rival shinobi so he will put his sword in, mm-hmm. twist it, and then pull Oof. it out. I-, I thought that's just such the nicest touch, but it's you can see it. He- I mean, even when he kills Lady Butterfly, he does it very honorably, and he doesn't like mm-hmm. let her suffer. He just goes, you know, I'm sorry I had to do this, you know. But like with the Lone Shadows, he is just brutal. He kills them in mm-hmm. a lot of ways that make you go, "You all right? You okay?" Like you, you seem to have a little bit of resentment uh, for these guys, so. But I to get back to Lady Butterfly, her kunai are mm-hmm. so cool. They're almost like needles. Yes. Love the idea of throwing needles. I don't know if that's ever actually been a real world thing. Like, oh, I guarantee uh, it. Know, I guarantee this it. This really long piece of metal that's so thin it's easy to like pierce things yeah, with it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but she, she's just, um, she's cool. I just, I love, she's got very unique weapons. And and to be fair, the only weapons she has is the kunai and the, the her kickies. 
technically. Her physical weapons. Physical weapons. Yeah. Oh, yes. So, yeah. Okay. Physical weapons. So, let's talk about what else she's got in her arsenal. Yes. Uh, that was a great moment. Oh, God. That was such a good moment when I first fought her. I was with like a, a fuck ton of friends and we were playing it for the first time. And we were like, why does she only have one health bar? You know, that's so weird. That seemed a little, <laughs> yep. that seemed a little like too short. And then you hear her laughing. We all started screaming. <laughs> Impressive boy. Oh, it was so, oh, it was so good. It was very iconic. Um, Yeah, she comes, that's not actually her. You're fighting the first time around. You are fighting an illusion. She's been up on Guanyin's shoulder the whole time. Uh, yeah, which I love. There's this like mist effect in the arena. Yes. Which like, I know we are dealing with a, a realm of magic and things, but part of me is like, yeah, as soon as you got into that room, like you were dosed with something in the air, yep. which made you more susceptible to her illusions. Yeah, she's just really good at it. Um, You dispel them with the with the two claps. Which was interesting. Like you, that's a that's a very traditional way to like dispel illusions in Japan, where you clap twice. In Shinto worship, when you go to worship a temple, you bow once, you clap twice to summon gods, like whatever god mm-hmm. of the te- of the shrine or temple you're visiting. You clap mm-hmm. twice, and then you you bow twice again to thank them for it. Interesting. Um, so she can give people a lot of fits because she'll jump around the area. She can ex- she can get away from you quite swiftly. But she also, in addition to her kunai and her, uh, uh, what do you call it, um, shin guards, all, they almost read like illusions too. She has these like monofilament wires. You know, it's a little magical. It's very video gamey. Um, but she'll jump up and then stop in midair because she can balance on these basically like fishing lines. To be fair, she she could have strung up beforehand. They that could be very well be. The, I mean, when you're bored, you know. <laughs> oh, okay. So she's <laughs> may very well have been the case. Yeah, she's prepared the arena. But like, yeah, you're right. They're they they are a little video gamey, but at the same time, they still could exist. I just think it's interesting how she's able to balance on that, which points to her mm-hmm. being a very skilled engineer individual beyond the fight you can shoot her down with kunai it's really easy um to just mm-hmm. kind of get her messed up but um she got a really that really interesting death blow she has where she drops from above and slam choke slams you into the ground with her thighs oh what a fucking icon yeah she's so good uh not only is her first phase an illusion but she can summon these illusions mm-hmm. uh which are like spirit forms of i think they're like mibu village yes right? they are yeah they're similar so does that speak to where she's from or where she yeah like i mean the- i mean to be fair yes i mean the implied forest that owl and lady butterfly used to live in is the misty forest right before mibu okay so it could be but it also could just be like video game shit <laughs> like i really don't i mean i think it's just like an illusion of humans but they're just like little dudes, little goblins, little ghouls. Charlie, when it was your day, did I complain about searching for goblins for 10 hours straight? Well, ghouls, and no, you didn't complain because we found three. It was pretty sweet. We found none. Yeah, interesting. Because in the Mist Village, we get a similar effect of, I think they look like bandits. 
uh, but it's the spirit version of them. Yes. Yeah. They're yeah. They're like illusions. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, of course, the um, the mist uh, uh, woods lead to Mibu village. Mm-hmm. Um, so these being Mibu villagers, it, it, it speaks to where she comes from. But then I wonder if uh, the bandits uh, being killed in Harata, they end up in the mist. Their spirits end up in the mist. Woods. I don't think they're they're not real, though. Because they're the the only thing that's conjuring them is the um who do you call it the Miss Noble right 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 he's playing yeah his I don't little think song, they're real which is keeping the Miss yeah there. yeah I okay. don't really think they're real spirits they're just like manifestations so okay it, it could be pulling from energy like projections in the area but I, I don't think they're actually real mm-hmm. just like the the ones that I mean they're tangible they can hurt you but they're not like real real which is what happens during lady butterflies uh fight if you don't kill them off with a snap seed um they turn into like an energy ball and they shoot at you an energy ball that resembles a form of butterflies uh yeah but don't they also kind of look like uh the spirit emblems they're similar cuz what i thought was cool is if you uh attack the 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 illusions will just die in one hit and there's a high chance for them to drop you a spirit emblem in the boss fight. But yeah, if you wait too long to deal with them, then she will snap her fingers, kind of unsummoning them and converting them into these uh, this energy attack. And so I thought it was kind of a parallel that either you take their spirit emblem or she utilizes them. Well, the cool thing is that snap seats are kind of like the clapping when you clap twice. It's loud noises. They make a loud sound to dispel illusions mm-hmm. you can use snap seeds on actually multiple different fights and we can we can talk about that when we get to those but they make loud sounds and scare whatever whatever's there mm-hmm. so it causes it to dispel okay so we're both greed one of our favorite fights in the game maybe my favorite role model to be like is lady butterfly she's she's so conti i love her <laughs> but she is one of those fights that I really turned around on. Like I hated her when I first, like she was a, a roadblock for me. I stopped playing when I couldn't get past her after, you know, trying for an hour. But now that I'm decent at the game and go back, I really like fighting her because if you're super aggressive, you can keep her from running away and actually build that that uh, posture bar up quite quickly. There was a really, I think this has been patched out, but if you like delayed, and the same thing actually happens to Genichiro, if you delay one of your swings, like when you just keep hitting her, mm-hmm. you can damage her. Oh, you no, that's still there because she has a short wind up to her jumps. And if you hit her during that wind up, she won't be able to cancel it into a block. Yes. And actually, if you if you get perfect timing and you get her just as she's jumping, mm-hmm. uh, it goes into the staggered animation where she like she recovers herself down on her knee with her hand on the ground, and you can get a couple of hits in that way. Yeah. She also introduced that you know she has some Mikiri counters, but she also really really drives home the swipe. Like the the under on the underswipe mechanic. So there's like one move where she basically does a chasing slice. Oh my god, with poise. That yes. shit kills me that, every time. Yeah, because I, I don't recognize it very easily. Mm-hmm. So it's harder for me to do. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. She calls you Fukuro no Singario. So that means son of owl. A lot of people call you that. A lot. Mm. Um, that's how a lot of people know you. Huh? Yes, that's how a lot of people know you. Um, Ishin does not recognize you upon like, like he doesn't really know, know your name. He probably does. But mm-hmm. like he, in terms of who you are, he just kind of goes, oh, yeah, you're the fucking son of Owl. Okay, that makes a mm-hmm. lot of sense. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> which mm-hmm. I think I think that's fucking hilarious. Um, when you kill Lady B, you get the Sakura droplet, mm-hmm. which is a little crystal that forms when an immortal oath fails to establish. Mm-hmm. Meaning that she probably tried to do it with Kudo and it didn't work because he was like out of his right mind. Um, so probably there's probably rules and stipulations to it where it probably has to be given willingly and like without influence. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's that's just speculation. Right. Because she could have had him under the influence of an illusion. Yeah, probably. Interesting. So I guess I, I never thought that it was created then. I always thought that she was in possession of that. And that's how she was such a formidable fighter, no. despite her I mean, advanced age. Um, In the same way that in a similar way that I thought, uh, what's his name? Uh. Owl was such an advanced, potent fighter, despite his advanced age, because he was carrying the Sakura Blossom uh, branch. You know what? That's actually a great point. But look at um, Ishin, literally mm-hmm. dying of tuberculosis and uh, beating the shit out of you. Oh, yes. In, and with, oh, man, I love that in his, I know this is going way off track, but I love that in his, uh, the Shura ending, when you fight him, he actually has the move where he starts coughing uncontrollably. Yeah, coughing power is really really effective <laughs> and Ishin's actively going out and kicking ass as Tengu anyways so I mean like that's a great theory but I honestly think that um they're just really they've been doing it for so long and they're just so good it's like muscle memory mm. and, and maybe it's speaking to the spirit of Ashina Ashina is also old and dying but is no less dangerous yes. in this state yep absolutely mm. okay that's really good theming um, I wanted to talk about just very briefly how in the cutscene before you fight Lady Butterfly, Kudo has mm-hmm. his little charm, his little bell charm. You know, it's supposed to be for good luck, but it's definitely a bell that like keeps track of him. Oh, <laughs> got to put a bell and on you. He gave it. He gave it to the old lady that you find um, Inosuke's mom. You're there. She found it. Yeah, that's how you get it. Right. That's how, and that's how you get back into this place. Yes. It's weird that, I mean, obviously the old lady has like really advanced dementia, <laughs> but, um, you know, you get it from her and you find her in Hirata. You also find Inosuke, but he's got his eyes, he's got his eyes gouged yeah, out. Yeah, did he gouge out his own eyes to... No, I'm pretty sure Lady V okay. did that. Okay, I, I thought maybe he did it to himself to escape the illusions. That too. Damn, you're right. I mean, it could be either way because she's got you a good so tool right. for it, but... <laughs> you... I think you're on the money with oh, that. Cool. I think I'm the wrong one, actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's um, that's that's a good point because he is the one who gives you the snap seed and talks to you. Well, yeah, no, you're right. Actually, you're okay. right. Never I mind. Like it. <laughs> um, and that's why we're both doing the show. Exactly. We both got good ideas. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, uh, before we leave, is there anything you can tell me about the arena that we're fighting in or the Harata, um, the mansion that we come into? Yeah. So like, obviously it's a very unique one, but it's, there is a giant Buddha statue and he's holding like a flask. Hmm. I am not sure what the flask is. I'm such a poor Buddhist. (laughs) I am a poor example (laughs) of a Buddhist, but you know, you're surrounded by other Buddha statues covered in Ofuda. Um, the fact that it's beneath the estate itself is very unique. Hmm. This could have been kind of a place for nobles to hide when things like this happened. Because mm-hmm. you're actually shown that one well, quote unquote well, that leads down to that little escape area 
But there's obviously bandits waiting for them because they know that's where the nobles escape from. Um, and who probably would have told him about that but Owl because oh. it's not in a very convenient location. Mm-hmm. But this could have been another example of that where they are just hiding under it. But there's a roof to the damn thing. So obviously it's a structure that might be further out, but mm-hmm. it it's obviously located technically underneath the estate. Mm-hmm. But it might be somewhere you can just like privately worship. It's just interesting that it exists at all. And it's specifically called hidden, right? So like... It's either the secret pride of the Harada family or like a huge statue. It's, it's a holdover from a earlier, uh, uh, what do you call it? An earlier age. Like, yes, because w- one of the themes of this is like the conflict between Buddhism and Shintoism. Right. And the interior ministry coming in with their prevailing belief structure be Shintoism. Yes. Yeah, Shinto Buddhism. Both, you, you see a lot of that in the entirety of the game. You see Shinto Buddhism in, throughout the entirety of the game. Yeah, I just wondered about the significance of it being hidden and that it's, you know, specific, maybe even predating the, the rest of the construction there. It could be, and it, but it's just, it's a very interesting location and it just has a lot of uh, atmosphere. That's the best way to put it because you have it burning in both instances where you have boss battles down there. Mm-hmm. Really fascinating. So we defeat Lady Butterfly. Uh, We have one of my favorite moments in the game when you perform the Shinobi execution because both of you say these really evocative lines, you know, from software doing a lot with a little. What's his name? Uh, Wolf apologizes to her. She Mm -hmm. said, he says, go men, which like obviously... She's part of his upbringing. He maybe they don't have a happy relationship, but he owes part of his training or some of what he is to Lady Butterfly. He'd rather not be killing her. Um, mm-hmm. And we got a similar thing where he apologized to uh, Gyobu when he unhorses him. Uh, and maybe he's apologizing to uh, uh, the horse instead. But it um, adds to this this pattern of wolf apologizing to the opponents who he doesn't actually want to kill yeah except for ganichiro <laughs> yeah he does not apologize to ganichiro because he would fuck you. he would he's say fine fuck killing you that if asshole. he could took my yeah. fucking arm <laughs> you took my son you took my arm now i'm taking your life <laughs> yeah and you were a dick about it too <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. and then also lady butterfly she has something that we'll see mirrored in owl later um her death quote She says something about uh, you've become stronger, Wolf. Yes, yes. Um, And she uses specifically the word Okami, where a lot Mm -hmm. of other people will use the Ro to describe Wolf, Mm -hmm. which I I really appreciated because you die to her so many times. She keeps calling you a puppy. And then when you finally defeat her, there's this moment of painful respect where she stops calling you a puppy and she refers to you as a wolf. Mm-hmm. She does call you son of owl multiple times. She calls you boy. She does oh. say boy multiple times. Um, she calls you son of owl twice. Um, and then she'll call you, you know, obviously a pup puppy. I think it's like kono kono inu yo, like something like that. You're still just a fucking baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she says like you've gotten way stronger. Mm-hmm. And that's true. Like depending on if you like you know die to her more more and more, she like definitely gets stronger over time because you learn. Mm-hmm. But canonically. He kills her. 
and doesn't die. Like he just because you know he has a bit more skill back then. Yeah, canonically he defeats her without the prosthetic. Too. Yes. Yep, that too. Just just a fucking sword and some huspa. Yeah, and some and some feels. <laughs> So we defeat her. I love that moment. It's a beautifully ornate kill, too. It's the same kind of kill he uses for uh, Owl later on, where Mm -hmm. he vaults over her, does a spinning slash on her back, and then finally ends it with a very precise uh, thrust, I I assume, right into her heart. Yep. And then, you know, we we have this victory. It's short-lived. It's all for naught because the building comes down around us burning. Uh, Well, I'm sorry. We get stabbed in the back by a And then the building comes person. down around. Yeah, who who could have done such a thing? We don't we'll never know. Yeah, there's only two people in the area with a sword this size, and one of them we assume we just killed outside. <laughs> and one of them is assumed to be dead, so hmm, this is a mystery. We wonder. But uh in the burning wreckage, Kuro finds us, and that's actually the moment we become tied to the dragon's heritage. Immortal dog. Yeah. Dogs are easy to kill. <laughs> have you ever seen I have to send this to you this later, but please look up the 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 video Immortal Dog. Oh my god, it's so good. I quoted I quoted that constantly on my first playthrough. Immortal dog. Dogs are easy to kill. <laughs> is it the midnight show? I think so. <laughs> is it? Do you wish your dog was immortal? Then make your dog an immortal. Yes, dog. yes, man's yes. Best yep. Forever. Man's best friend forever. Yes. That's it right there. <laughs> well, that's fucking awesome. So, is there anything else we want to say about Rata or the enemies here or anything about this section of the game? Oh, you only meet what, like one alive dude. Like, who's willing to fight for you? I forgot to mention oh, the Oh, yeah, one during guy. the Juzo fight. Yeah, he deserves, yeah, he, he deserves an honorable fuck. mention. Uh, he's the only co-op person we can get normally. You can uh, uh, puppeteer some people. But he's the only co-op we get normally. And he's also the only friendly guy in that garb. Because we will fight. Uh, or no, does he have a unique garb? He has a Harada garb. Um, the elite uh, samurai that we fight in... Uh, Ashina Castle, they have a teal garb. Okay. So yeah, talk about him for a second. His name is Nogami, Nogami Gensei. Gensei. Yeah, Nogami Gensei. Um, he is, he's your bro yeah. <laughs> for a little while. He's definitely a relative of Inosuke because Inosuke is called Inosuke Onogami. Oh. Um, but he, uh, he's not the most useful because he's really easily killable, mm-hmm. but he runs in after you try to face down Juzo and his army. But he's older because he said that he stood with Ashina when he they claimed this land. Mm-hmm. So he's he's of the older sort and is a remnant of the coup. Mm-hmm. You know, he's an older samurai. He's definitely one of Ishin's students because he has like very similar techniques to Ishin's students in um in Ashina Castle. Yeah, he but. makes uh he makes good use of the uh, uh the Ichimonji overhead strike. Yes. Yeah, I I gotta say I I I owe a lot to this guy because I found Juzo intolerable the first time I fought him too. I didn't have the patience to just keep circling around him, mm-hmm. and so uh, when I finally figured out that I could wait to activate him, I could clear out all of the riffraff and then run over to him, activate him, and uh, uh, co-op against uh, uh, Juzo, 
I found him very useful because he could keep aggroing him and I could just circle around back and get a bunch of damage in. Yeah, he's he he's useful, but it's so funny when you like beat Juzo up and like you don't use him. Mm-hmm. He like comes in like, ah, I helped, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Like, no, you didn't, dude. Sit down. Um, But you never see him for the rest of the game. Oh, yeah, because he... I wonder if he canonically dies in that fight. Obviously, you can get through it and he doesn't uh, die. But even if he... um, uh, uh, Even if you uh, defeat Juzo with him alive and he helped you, he says, that fight was hard on this old body. Like, Like, that was his last fight, maybe. You just... You don't know... Um, you just don't know where he goes. Um, considering we never see him again, maybe, but it's hard to say. I don't really want to put anything solid on it, you know? Yeah, he's lost to the annals of time. Yeah, he's awesome. I'm glad you remembered him because I wanted to talk about him but and pay him a little lip service because he is he he's a fucking bro. He is. He's a dude. Uh, and I love that, that he doesn't just run in of his own accord, that you talk to him, you ask mm-hmm. him for assistance, and that's why he runs in. Uh, and that he's he's like sitting there contemplating doing it himself. To be fair, it is just a shit ton of dudes yeah. and a giant guy. Yeah. You're like, please, please don't do this yourself. Oh, you died. Damn it. Yep. Okay, great. Well, that's Harada Estate in, in, in a nutshell. Talked about a lot of enemies, talked about their significance. I think that's a good place to leave it for the day. Uh, the next time we get together, we're going to talk about, I think, Ashina proper, Ashina Castle. That would be so much fun. I can't fucking wait. Oh, awesome. I'm so excited. Yeah, Mimichiro <laughs> real. Oh, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> God. Uh, no, I can't wait. Okay, cool. Can't wait. Well, yeah, let's put Harada to rest. Um, we had a, a reading recommendation. What was that poem again? Oh, the... Dream of the Butterfly or something? Dream of the Butterfly. Okay, go read Dream of the Butterfly. The the Butterfly Dream by Zhuangzi. To better understand Lady Butterfly and the Harada Estate. I guess so. It's (laughs) definitely like an allusion to illusions um, because of symbolisms. Yeah, the Butterfly Dream by Zhuangzi. Um, And do you have any other uh, uh, recommendations in your back pocket for anyone? Oh, uh, any sort of... I think this was such a good time to start thinking about reading any resources you have on the Sengoku period. Okay, uh, It's a great, it's one of the most well-documented eras in Japan um, down to the last detail. And it's such a turning point in Japan's history that it really um, makes or breaks your understanding of the game. Mm, okay. Fascinating. Um, I'm going to suggest to uh, recommend to anyone listening, if you've never checked it out, Samurai Champloo. Uh, oh it, it, yeah, it's a good series. It's from the some of the creators of um, Cowboy Bebop, uh, also set in Sengoku. Um, and the only reason I'm recommending that here now, like obviously it's tangentially related because it's uh, some of the same time period um, or some of the same uh, cultural effects of uh, Sekiro, but uh, the teaming up of Wolf um, Nogami. Uh, very much reminds me of the teaming up of Mugen and Jean. Definitely, definitely with half a fraction of the resentment those two have yes. for each other in the beginning. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, the two of them do have a, I think they do have a team up fight early in the show against an ogre-like uh, enemy. Yes. Yep. 
Alright. Pen pen pals. You are still just a puppy. Udeo Angetane Okami.